Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Welcome to episode 24 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. Thank you very much as always for taking the time to press play and have a little listen to my show. I really appreciate it. Um, On today's episode, we have a slight change to the plan I had for the next few weeks uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances, as they call it. The guest I was going to have on this week to discuss the Royal Rumble 1992 pay-per-view has had to rearrange. Um, don't worry, that show will still be coming out uh, sometime this month as a bonus episode for you all. But today, instead, I thought I'd go back and look at some older um, recordings and older interviews I have that I've been looking to fit into the schedule somewhere. Um, and this one is a great discussion, a great interview with Mr. Kurt Healy, who is the owner, promoter, all-round general head honcho of EVM Wrestling. Um, the discussion was recorded initially back in November, so first of all, please excuse how well, pretty dire I am at interviewing at that point. Not saying I've improved massively since then, but uh, <laughs> um, I like to think I've got slightly better since those early days of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. But the discussion with Mr. Healy about his promotion and about his wrestling company, uh, I find quite fascinating. Um, this the, the company started up in the middle of a global pandemic. It started up in the middle of lockdowns, um, the coronavirus issues all over the world, the limitations of social distancing and so on, uh, and getting his first show promoted and done and, I suppose, into the venue was quite the challenge with many numerous setbacks and it wasn't until we really got talking about what happened that I realised myself quite how many setbacks Mr Healy had trying to get this first show of his promoted and put on. It really is a testament to how well uh, he did and how committed he was to that cause. So it's 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 a really interesting discussion. I listened back to it myself yesterday before um, plumping on with the editing and so on. It's a really interesting discussion. I hope you will enjoy it. Uh, before we get to my talk there with EVM Wrestling uh, Kurt Healy, just a little quick shout out to the show's social media accounts. If you have a Instagram, a Facebook or a Twitter, please go follow the show. It's very easy then to get in contact with myself, with the show in general, to send feedback, ideas, suggestions for topics, people you'd like me to maybe interview and so on going forward. Um, you can find the show on any of those uh, social media platforms by simply searching at SJP Wrestling Pod. Um, I really appreciate if you would go check it a follow and let me know what you think, what you want to hear, um, and ideally subjects for future episodes. 
Okay, well, that's enough of me waffling on for today. Um, like I said, Royal Rumble 1992 will be coming and will be with you by the end of the month as a bonus episode. Um, we're also looking at Royal Rumble 2010 in the next week or two, so get your thoughts and questions in about those events. But until then, uh, here is my discussion from last November with Mr. Kurt Healy of EVM Wrestling. As always, thank you for listening. Mr. Kurt Healy, EVM wrestling Hi. owner. How the hell are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, yeah, great opportunity to have you on the show. Um, I, guess, I guess this will be looking at wrestling uh, for myself and for my listeners from a different standpoint. Of Obviously, you're a wrestler yourself. You've gone through the whole training process and you've had matches yourself. But now also you're stepping into the world of promoting your own shows. Um, so I think that's going to be something that's, that's going to be really, really interesting uh, going forward as, as we as we have this conversation today. Um, so starting off at the very beginning, um, where and when did you first encounter this crazy, crazy world of professional wrestling? Well, many, many, many moons ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm 36, year, 36 years old now, so I've been, been a fan since I was about five, six years old. You know, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, I think it was the first match I ever watched at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've loved it ever since. A lot of people obviously stopped watching it during school for a bit because they think it's not cool, and then I'm one of those that just carried on. <laughs> that sounds very similar to my own sort of, my own sort yeah, of story. Yeah, I, cool. I know I'm cool now. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of time frame is, is very much when I sort of started watching as well, sort of late 80s and so on, and I went through a similar sort of thing. So, no, I know where you're coming from. Um, Absolutely. So when when you started watching, uh, where where did you first encounter it? Was it was it? Did you have access to tapes, or was it uh, seeing it on Sky TV somewhere? Or it was on TV. I remember being on TV, and then my dad used to buy the videos like when they come out. So I'd have like the best Hulkamania videos and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So then that's when you start watching. You see the other guys. You had matches with like Big Boss Man in the cage and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's cool as well. And just sort of always VHS tapes came and. You got more access, and obviously WCW was on TV quite a lot as well at that point. And so you get all the old stuff on there as well. So there's a lot of access for it when I was younger, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you would have had um, WCW Worldwide on ITV, wouldn't you, on a Saturday and and stuff like that. I'm guessing. So you got like Vader and Sting on there as well. You know, it was oh, awesome. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> That's exactly the sort of thing I remember myself. Yeah. So was it yeah. uh, was it Hogan who first? hooked you in was it hulk who was your first favorite or was, was honest, yeah it was hogan that was it was my favorite for many years okay, okay yeah, I suppose, right. I suppose he's got to be most people's favorite hasn't he yeah i think so i think he is he made him and the company a great deal of money from being people's favorites i suppose so <laughs> absolutely so where where then did did your sort of uh, wrestling journey go from there? From being a Hogan fan and watching these tapes and so on, and you get a bit older. Um, what made you first decide I'm going to give this a go? Actually, fair when I when I first started training, it was only like it was July last year. Okay, <laughs> I'm a late bloomer. It comes to actually wrestling it myself. I just wanted to turn up and see what I was like, you know, give it a shot. You know, you only live once, don't you? And it took me a lot of courage to try and give it a go, and it was actually really good fun. Um, bit bruised. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first session, I think I must have hurt my neck several times. Not doing bumps properly, but you get used to it. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I'm sort of thinking um, your first training session. I mean, if I ever went down that road, I mean, I wouldn't now. I'm far too old and my body's falling apart without putting it through the strains that you fellas do. But um, if I ever went down that, that that sort of thought process, my first training session, I believe I'd be a bag of nerves before walking in. How was that for you, walking up to the door? Um, I believe it was at Southwest Wrestling you trained, is that correct? It was, yeah. It was. Um, actually, to be fair, um, I went to the show, Southwest had a show the night before, which I went to in Cheltenham, uh, with my friend who I was going to go to training with. And it actually made it a bit easier the next day to turn to the training session because I met some of the guys. Okay. So some of the guys who were training on that, sun- that Sunday were wrestling Saturday night. So I'd already been introduced to them. So that made it a little bit easier. But it was still nerve-wracking to get in that ring for the first time. But it was made easier by the fact I'd met a few of the lads the night before. So it was a real mixed bag when I went in there. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean that's very good as well. Because it's, it's, scary nerves, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, if you're... If you've literally been to a show on the Saturday and then trained on the Sunday... Were the guys that you saw wrestling on the Saturday very encouraging to sort of bring you in and get you involved? Absolutely, yeah, they were, yeah. Yeah, they, they're all really good, actually. They're all really sound guys. I still speak to a lot of them now. I've got a couple of them booked for my show I did last week, or the week before now, actually, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, I get really well with all of them. Oh, uh, they were very encouraging, which is, which is great, because it eases that tension and nerves, you know, when you get in there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, and who who was there sort of giving the training then? Who were you training alongside and who were you training under? Um, well, Pete Bainbridge is the pro, so he, he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he chatted with us and stuff. But most of the training was taken by uh, the rest of Gilligan Gordon. Yep. Um, so he took the session. He's, he's pretty good. Nice lad, you know. He, he was quite encouraging. It was, it was quite strenuous, obviously. He put, puts you through your paces so you, you knew. But um, he was really sound. And the audio the guys, like David Eaton was there and uh, Sean Rudd, Ruddy, he was, he was there helping me do bumps on, match, on the um, crash mats to start with. So a lot of the guys I still speak to now and I'm quite friendly with them all, really, to be honest. So it was really good to have met them all at that time. I was quite lucky, really. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I think that's fantastic if you've been to a show and you've obviously shown an interest and then the guys there have welcomed you in and, and you've trained with the same people you've been watching the night before. Um, and like you said, it does help ease those sort of first training session nerves, I, I, I guess. So I, I think that's a, that, that to me, that comes across like a great atmosphere to train in. That's it. And um, Ollie Lloyd was another one in there. Really good, really good, talented lad. Yeah. Yeah. I know Ollie Lloyd. He's yeah. a really, really nice kid as well. I think, He's just so athletic. You know, I think it's in his family, isn't athleticism? I think his brother's a footballer for Cheltenham Town as well. So I think naturally they're great athlete, athletic guys. and But really nice lads as well. And that, that helped. Yeah, that I really bet. Helped. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, okay. So from now on then, how, how long were you training with Southwest Wrestling for before you decided or whoever decided you're ready to step in the ring and actually have a match? <laughs> it's quite funny as well. I was only there for about two months because they tra- they stopped the train and they actually closed the school down. I'm not, I don't know why. I'm not sure. I don't know the reason. I'm, not, I'm never going to ask because I don't think it could have been personal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I've never asked why. But one of my friends um, wrestled in Kidderminster most weekends. And I just started talking to him again and stuff. And he said, oh, we got a show this week. Um, 
there's a battle royal on the show. Do you want me to ask the promoter if you want to be on that? I was like, well, I'll join in. Why not? Just do battle royal. And they said, yeah, bring him along. And that, it started from there. That was only like two months after training. Okay. So your first so was, match would have been a battle royal then? Yeah, it was, yeah. Right, okay. Well, talk me through that process. I mean, that's something that I've never actually asked. Um, I've never asked a guest, uh, a wrestler guest, about before. When you're going into a battle royal, um, however many men were, were in this contest on that day, how, how is that structured? How is that put together? Are you told, okay, this is when you're going out and by who? Or how does that work? I was, I was told by who I was going to go out by, but it was literally just go in there and just make a good account of yourself. Make, make yourself noticed with the guys that are what you know the people watching so I just went in there I just had a laugh to be honest I had a good time and I got eliminated when I was supposed to which is about nine minutes into the match so you're given time uh, steps and so on to no we, we sort of talked to each other during the in the ring so we sort of we planned didn't well I didn't plan a lot to be honest we just literally knew it was going to win mm-hmm. and we just talked it through in the rings with you know like you're going to go out now and stuff, and I was like, okay, sound. And then we just worked out how we're going to throw me out. Yeah, and okay. Like that. No, I, knew was, I knew how much time I had. And it was pretty much that, and that was it. <laughs> okay, no, I've, never really, I've never really asked the question about how, how those sort of things are structured before. I find that quite fascinating when there's that many people, even if it's only, say, 8 or 10 or 12 or whatever in the ring, it, it's... I always picture it as being quite difficult to put together because there's so many moving parts. So, so finding out firsthand from someone who's been involved, I, I find that incredibly interesting. Yeah, you just go along with the flow, to be honest. You just sort of... Well, how we did, we just went with the flow, basically. Yeah. Just, we knew he was going to win. We knew he was going to go out first, and we just went along with it. Okay. So I was out first, which was great. Me my debut, I thought, I don't want to be out first. <laughs> No, no, definitely. <laughs> I think I was fourth or fifth out, which is not too bad. I think it was 12 of us all together. No, oh, that's okay, isn't it? That's not too bad at all. I, got, I was there, my, yeah, my wife was watching as well, so it was, it was good fun. And I got to play my Ace Venturi gimmick, and it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that, actually. I mean, before I, before I hit the record button uh, for today's show, you mentioned about your previous gimmick that was sort of uh, Ace Ventura-esque. Uh, talk me through that. Talk me through the thought process, how you came to this original gimmick you ran with, uh, why you went down that road. It's funny, actually. It was the same guy I was speaking about, um, Dave, one of my, my friend from Kidderminster, and I met him for a beer, and we were just talking outside in the beer garden, and that's, that's when I found out I was going to be in this Battle Royal, so we had to find a, figure out a gimmick and a name for me. So it's basically me and him together just spitballing names and ideas for like a, a character. See, he's got a very unique character called the Fox Catcher, and he's like he's a much better heel than Babyface. But he's playing Babyface at the time. Okay. Um, he was he's like a posh, well, fox hunter type character. Right. Okay. Which is it's, it's good fun. It's good crack. Um, and he was just spitballing names at me, and then then we started to do Spectora stuff, and we're like, okay, that sounds like fun. So I started trying to figure out names for an Ace Ventura-type character. And I came up with Monty and Bird being an animal. And that's just how it came out. <laughs> right, okay. Pretty much um, as simple as that. And I started bringing toy animals to the ring with me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That Excellent. toy monkey called Seb. They're all named after my friends. Right. All my animals named after my friends, so it was pretty funny. <laughs> that's brilliant that's great <laughs> so how long did you how long did you work this gimmick for how long were you sort of 
Monty Bird and and whereabouts were you working? You say you say you're wrestling for a company in Kidderminster. Who was that? Uh, that was um, AWA in Kidderminster. Okay. They changed the name back to HCW. Uh, I found out recently. Um, I worked for the game for about five months or so, but then lockdown happened. Obviously, the coronavirus nonsense. Yeah. Um, then I hadn't wrestled since January, and I just I just set my own stuff up and changed, decided to change, have a more serious gimmick if I was going to run my own own shows. And if I was going to be on the screen, I wanted to be a bit more serious than a comedy character. Yeah, okay, so, that makes sense. I, I, I might bring the gear back now and again, maybe for other shows, but on the EVM show itself, I'm sticking to my new new style. Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. I mean, I suppose it's good as well having the option of either or, for depending on who you're working for and where, I suppose. It sort of opens up maybe more doors. Who knows? Exactly, exactly. My cat's been noisy, sorry. No worries. <laughs> as, I, as I said previously, to, before we press record, uh, cameos from cats and dogs during my show are not unheard of. Mine, mine pops up quite often. Um, people, <laughs> just try <laughs> people who listen to the show have seen a few pictures of my ginger terror. He's, he's, he's a pain in the backside, but there we go. Um, so you mentioned there about when lockdown hit. Um You'd have been wrestling, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you'd been wrestling, what, less than a year at this stage? Yeah. My, my seven training was July, and my last match was the end, the end of January at this okay. point. So six, seven months, six months, yeah. So how did that feel? I mean, you say yourself that you sort of got into the business late, or you took your first training session uh, later in life than maybe some do things are going great, you've got this gimmick, you've been in this battle royal, you're wrestling for a company, and then boom, all of a sudden, everything's gone. As quickly as you started and got on shows, the whole world kind of grinds to a halt. How did that affect you personally? It was difficult, yeah, really hard, because I was I was getting used to doing it, you know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. bored to be in there. Once I got to know some of the people, you know, I made new friends, obviously, um, and I was just looking forward to my next match. And, you know, you start getting used to the taking the bumps and get more experience by working the match of experienced guys. And all of a sudden, it was just all gone. That was really hard. Um, it was my outlet as well. I've suffered with anxiety in the past. I still do now, to this day. And wrestling was my outlet as well. You know, so we're letting loose, if that's the best way of putting it. Okay. I mean, okay, well, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to ask you a little bit about that, actually. I mean, you, you say you suffer from anxiety, and I, I, you know, anyone who can handle that in their life deserves the utmost respect, I believe. Um, where, sorry, how, how did that affect you initially training, then initially going on to matches? Was it, was it an issue? Do you think it made it more difficult for you to step in the ring first time in front of other people? How, how did that work for you? To start, to start with it actually did yeah it made it quite difficult it was part of it I was like I can't do it I can't do it even though I've been training a little bit and yeah I've made some new friends doing it so I they will give me the confidence or trying to to get in there I was terrified to be honest I mean I'm just, you're going to be everyone's going to be nervous the first time they get in a match no matter what but you suffer the anxiety and things like that it's it makes it makes it a lot worse I think but once I got out there and I was in front of people some people I knew as well I was like, it started to feel a bit, I don't know, not natural, but a little bit better. A little, 
a little more comfortable. A little bit more at ease, maybe. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Mm. Yeah, it was it's difficult because anxiety is it's really hard to deal with, and I couldn't talk about it at the time. It's only in the last eight nine months I've started talking about it to people. Oh well, that's good. That's 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 brilliant. That's a great step for for anyone to take. I believe of any. Uh, anything in that sort of wheelhouse, I suppose, is a great, important thing to do. Um, mm. Do you think having people in the crowd you knew helped, or would you have found it easier if it was just blank faces you didn't know? Or how, how do you think that was how worked out? It, it worked out quite well having a few people I knew. Okay, I think it was a familiar. It's like the familiar face thing for me. I I felt a little bit more at ease. Um. But I suppose if other people might have worked differently, it could have made you a bit more uneasy. You don't want to let somebody down or you don't want to look stupid in front of somebody because you did something wrong. So I suppose if someone you knew and you messed up in the ring, you might look like a right plum. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's the sort of thing I was looking at. I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't really know. I mean, me personally, I, I, if I was doing any sort of performance in any sort of genre or anything, I'd like people I know to be there. Um but I also know people who have gone on and done music and um, been, in, been in stage plays and so on, um, who rather for the first couple of performances have no one they know in the crowd. Because of like what you said, if, if there's, if there's a, an issue or something goes wrong, then it's people they don't know, so they just kind of shrug their shoulders about it. Absolutely. It's true, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah. we then... You've gone into lockdown. You've got no no matches to work in. Um, when did you decide? You know what? I'm going to start my own company. <laughs> Literally, when lockdown started. <laughs> Which is kind of an odd time to make that decision, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> the thing was, I was like, I need something to occupy my time. So I'm still working. I still am. I, I I'm lucky in my job that I didn't have to like stop working because of lockdown. Okay, that's good. Which I'm quite. Happy about that you know that's nice because i've been able to just carry on as normal in that respect yeah it's a bit strict with the rules and everything now but generally it's quite normal still for me but i wanted something to look forward to when you know when things might reopen again so i literally just decided to uh originally was just going to put on a charity show um because i work i work as a healthcare worker so i want to do something for like alzheimer's society and stuff right which i'm still doing and then i was like that's supposed to be in December, um, which is still happening as long as the rules allow it. Yeah. I thought, well, oh, November, yeah, the, the rules allow us to do shows now. Do I do another one early? Do I, is it like a trial run almost, like a beta test? So I decided to organise that show for, you know, the other week, just to see how it went and, you know, iron out the cracks and all that sort of stuff. And it went, it went really good. So it was just start of lockdown. So I spent the whole lockdown, if I wasn't at work, planning the rest of the show and getting guys involved, trying to book all the talent. I was getting them all secured pretty early, to be honest. Yeah, okay. I mean, let, let, let's, let's talk about that process. I mean, you, you've, you've had the idea to, um, to to start up EVM Wrestling. Um, yeah. You, you, you've, you know this is what you want to do. You're confronted, obviously, with all of the normal um, questions and issues a, I suppose, a promoter, for want of a better term, is is confronted with. But you're doing it whilst the whole country is effectively shut away in lockdown. So you've got this additional issue on top. Um, you know, sort of, you're looking at November, you say. H- how did that then work with regards to 
uh, finding the venue. Did you have? Did you speak to any talent? Did you speak to any wrestlers about coming on the show? And you had ums and ahs because they didn't know about what was going to go on with lockdown, or? Well, um, a lot of the guys I wanted to book um, for December were like, "Yeah, sound. Hopefully by then everything's good." And then we decided to plan this show. Um, a joint, it was supposed a joint event with um, a promotion from Sarancester called Slambound Wrestling. I was supposed to be there first show as well. So it's going to be like a joint debut, or pretty much. Okay. Uh, or they, they'd organise all these um, guys, and they lived in Wales. And then, uh, obviously, Wales went to lockdown, like, two weeks before the show was supposed to happen. So he, like, he lost his whole card. Right. Why? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I organised oh, half of my card, which I had three matches on there. And then, uh, in two weeks, I had to organise another couple of matches to try and get enough people there, you know, to actually make it worth putting on. Um. But I've booked guys, most of the guys I've booked are people I already knew and I've trained with or i wrestled with before and things like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, if, that, if that's the sort of contacts you have. Because uh, you, 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 you've gone from being a, a fan to training to wrestling to promoting your own show in such a short period of time. It's like a real sort of accelerated process. So if you've got these contacts from that short process, I, I suppose that makes sense that that would be where you start. Um, yeah. You talk about the joint promotion with what was the company's name again? Sorry, Slamdown. Uh, Slamdown Wrestling. Slamdown Wrestling. They have a, they their first show now because obviously that was supposed to be a joint one. But <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, you say that a lot of their guys were coming across the border from Wales, and then that was all locked down. So they just then couldn't promote their half of the show. No, they couldn't. So it all then dropped onto you two weeks before the event. It did. Yeah. So okay, so again, you've gone from <laughs> um, fans to training to wrestler to helping promote a show to then all of a sudden having to promote the whole show two weeks before the doors open. Yeah, <laughs> I, I find that remarkable. I find that absolutely insane. I did a good job actually. To be fair, if I do say so myself, I, I worked really hard on it. So yeah, so tell me about the venue. Um, was this a venue that Slamdown had already, or was it something that the pair, you and Slamdown, agreed upon? Or well, I found the venue because um, it's in my hometown. Um, it's the venue I booked for my Christmas, well, charity show in December. So I spoke to them and said, oh, "Have you got any space on this date, first of November?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, sound. Do you want to do the show?" I was like, "I'll do a show on that day." And I'd, I'd always spoken with uh, Slamdown about doing this joint show already. And originally we were going to do it in a hall in Sirencester. And then they didn't want to have more than like five people in there or something, you know, because of the rules and whatever. Okay, so yeah. we, we couldn't have a crowd. So without, without a crowd, it's not really worth doing, is it? No, no. Not with the, not with the cost it is to do a show. Which I've learned that pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> How expensive it is. <laughs> but it was good fun. Um, yeah, and I just spoke to them and they're like, oh, yeah would charge this for us and I was like okay sound and I managed to get a venue organised within a couple of weeks um, and it was yeah we, we, we planned it we took six weeks to plan the whole thing that's all it took okay so it wasn't too bad really no no sounds good it sounds good um, you said there about like the cost of putting it on and so on you also, uh, when when you and I were discussing the event before it happened a few weeks ago, you said about having the um, capacity restricted. It, it, yeah. it was changed, I believe, at some point. 
Um, how did that affect you then? Because I'm assuming that you're pricing it in a certain way, looking at a number of heads or getting in. Um, and then to be told you, you, the numbers are restricted, did that change a great deal for you? It did, yeah, actually, because we, um, we were told we could have 50 in there. So obviously if you're charging 10 quid an adult, 5 quid a kid, if you get 50 people in there, which we probably were on course doing, yeah, it's a decent sum. And, you know, we, once we paid everything, we might have still had some money left over. Not a lot, but you might have a few quid left over. Which is great. Uh, that's better than that's better than having to put some of your own money in. <laughs> I had to do it in the end because uh, we imagine. Lost, we had to reduce down to 30 people in the crowd. So that's a couple hundred quid if you think about it. That's uh, that's put us back quite a bit. Well, it's, it's uh, nearly half. It's nearly half your your capacity, isn't it? Yeah, and no, I was only told ten days before the show that I could I had to reduce it to thirty. Okay, so you've lost. You, you've effectively lost your joint promoter two yeah. weeks before the show. A few days after that, you're told, "Oh yeah, we're cutting your capacity by nearly half. What would it be? Forty-five percent or whatever it would work out at." Um, uh, did at any point during this whole process did you think to yourself ah oh, you know what I'm going to knock this on the head this is more grief than it's worth or did you just think no I'm doing it no matter what I was like I'm doing it no matter what but my wife was trying to tell me otherwise <laughs> <laughs> she goes is it really worth four seconds I was like yes it is so I, I want to see how it would work I wanted to put it on and just put on a show I think people need some joy after this year it's been so bad for every, pretty much everybody yeah I wanted to put on a show. I wanted to do something fun that everyone was going to like, and it went down really well. And I wasn't going to—I was going to give up on it, even if I lost a bit of money. So I, I just carried on with what I did. But just—it's just a bit frustrating losing the twenty seats. Yeah, I can imagine. But I mean, that—that's a—that's a really nice thing to hear. To be honest, um, you are spot on. There's so much uh, misery, I suppose, and and such such a nasty atmosphere around because of everything that's gone on this year and to hear you say you were going to power through and get this show on no matter what just to try and make people smile or give a, give them a little something to smile about I, I think that's a that, that's fantastic and a great testament to your own character that's really nice to hear uh, I appreciate the kind words actually I, I had a lot of messages private messages on the EVM uh, messenger page that we've been speaking on yeah saying how good it was and thanking me and stuff I mean luckily it was a lot of these people were my friends we did it by invite, so we can easily do the track and trace. Okay. So I was asking my friends and families to come to the show, and it would be easier because I know where everyone lives, and I knew everything about them. So the track and trace thing would be easier, and mm. social distancing people, because you had to social distance all the chairs. That was also easier because you knew who lived with who and all that sort of stuff. So graphically, they're my friends, but they all had a good time. No, that's great. That's great. I mean, with regards to that, I mean, that, that's, that, that was going to be sort of my next, uh, my next questions I was going to ask. When it came to the day of the show or the day before the show, when you're setting up and, and so on, you, I'm assuming by this stage you've kind of in your head got the card sorted out. You think you know who's going to be there. Um, and then I believe you had a few last-minute changes, didn't you, with regards to... The actual roster available on the day? I did, yeah. Um, Chris Bronson tested positive for COVID-19 um, and he'd been in the same training session as uh, Hotshot Adams' his opponent for the night. So Hotshot had to uh, isolate and obviously Chris had to do two weeks of, you know, he tested positive, had to stay inside for that long. 
Um, so I lost my main event the night before. Oh my goodness! It was the night before I found it on Saturday night, and wow. it was like it was it was gutting <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I mean that's incredible. I mean, I, I, this this story is 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 amazing. First of all, it's amazing the things that kept cropping up to almost try and prevent you doing what you wanted to do but then i also think it's amazing how you just kept on going and and, and the level of tenacity you showed to to put the show on so you lost your main event the night before um, yeah so that, i did i found two guys the night before as well to replace them <laughs> sorry so that again sorry you broke up a little bit there sorry i found i found two guys the night before to replace them okay so who did you replace them with and how, how did that conversation go was it literally a case of giving them a ring or a message and saying, look, this is the scenario, or...? I asked uh, a few of the guys on the card already, if you knew anybody who'd be free the next day, who'd be interested. And uh, I got a few a few people you know, saying, yeah, yeah, this guy can do it, and this guy can do it. I was like, great. So I got Jay Skies in there. I don't know if you've ever seen him wrestle. He's actually really good. He's from Evesham, which is even better. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex Box or Axel Carter is his wrestling name. I got him as well. Okay. And, uh, but he's really good as well. And I was actually really pleased with the replacements I was able to get in such a short time. And I felt guilty as well, because I was like, well, it's a bit last minute. I don't want people to think they're an afterthought. You know what I mean? I don't want that. Oh, so you mean you, you mean you felt guilty almost asking those guys to come onto the card? Yeah, because they'd be like, oh, why didn't you ask me in the first place? Right. <laughs> did, you have any, anyway. did you have any <laughs> that pushback at all? Was there any of that? I, no, I think everyone was just grateful for the opportunity to get in the ring again. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the sort of thing I, I was thinking. These guys, I mean, we've gone without watching wrestling uh, as a fan uh, at live local shows for such a long period. The wrestlers themselves have gone without stepping into the ring, so an opportunity to do that, regardless of whether you're asked the night before or not, I'd imagine it's, it is something they would be very happy to have. So They were, yeah, it was, it was actually a good response. Excellent stuff. I was expecting a, oh no, sorry, I'm not free, you know what I mean? But mm. they're all sound lads and they really put a great effort for me, which I can't say thank enough. Thank you enough for him, to be honest. So how many matches did you have on the show? I had five still, which was the original plan anyway. It was going to be six, it would have been six if it was the uh, joint show, like it was originally planned to be. Yeah. And then I went down to five, exactly all guys, four new guys myself. And I thought I could have five matches, two hours or so. That's, that's good enough. Yeah, and then that would have been six if Bronson hadn't have uh, got COVID. But it's right. it's isn't it? It's what it is. Well, um, these things are they're sent to try us, aren't they? These things, and it seems like you have many things trying you in the build-up. So, <laughs> but I've, I've I've kept in contact with uh, Bronson and Adams actually, and I've chatted them quite a lot in the last week or so, and they're both doing okay, which is good to know. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's good. I'm happy with that. We wish, wish so them luck and match. <laughs> yeah. <That's> so different. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's the sort of in-ring side of the show. Um, what about the the sort of outside the ring venue situation? You say you had to socially distance all the chairs. Yeah. Um, how did it work with regards to the wrestlers themselves? Uh, with regards to changing areas and so on. Um, uh, how did you find? Cause you you obviously. Get, you're being confronted here with restrictions that I don't think any first-time promoter would have ever had before. Probably not, actually. No, they probably hadn't 
had to deal with that before. I, I don't think I, I can't think of any scenario where a promoter putting on their first show will ever have to deal with that 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 situation that you have gone through. No, I doubt they would have. Yeah, that's that's probably true actually. Um, the changing situation was actually not too bad because because it's, it's a school where we did it. The changes are massive. I mean, you can, you can social distance those people in those change rooms, and they let us have the boys and the girls ones, even though it was all lads. Um, so we had two change rooms that can fit like fifty people in normally. Ah, <laughs> oh, huge, plenty of space. <laughs> so plenty of space, and I got everyone to change in their match bubbles as well, so they can be with the person facing the ring. Okay. So everyone has to be apart from each other, which they stuck to. They stuck to those rules, and yeah, you know, fair play to them actually. Especially, yeah. especially you know the other people and you're friends with them as well from other matches and other promotions. To not be near them is probably quite difficult. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, with regards to the running of the show itself as well, I mean, um, you would have had, I'm assuming, referee. Were there, was there a ring announcer, someone to play music and so on? How did it work with all these? Yeah, there was a, the funny thing actually is um, the guy who the promoter of Slamdown, his name's Lee Trotman, good good mate of mine. Um, he did all the announcing for me and he made all the entrance videos for the wrestlers and everything. He was really, really, really good. Um, he, he emceed the show as well. Okay. Yes, he did, did all the ring announcing. Um, and the school provided quite a lot of equipment, so they had a massive screen that you could pull down from the roof. So we had a big screen where the entrance videos came on and everything. It was, it was really good. That's not much great. Better, actually, once I, much of a sort of setup, I was like, this actually looks really cool. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, <laughs> you'll have to see... Um, have you got any footage or any any fans recording any footage of the of, of the show themselves? I have actually. I've, I've got footage. Um, I filmed the whole thing, but it's going to be on YouTube. Um, we're aiming to do a weekly uh, episodic episodic show. Um, we've got enough material to do about six weeks worth of shows. So you take some backstage stuff as well, and a few interviews and promos and that. Um, that should be hopefully once the lockdown finishes I think once I've edited everything should get in by the first week of December so are you are you filming and editing that stuff yourself are you doing doing the whole lot yourself or Uh, all the filming was done by Lee the lad I've been speaking about Um, and he he edited all the videos for me and sent them across to me and then I've got to edit into a into a show so I've got, I can pick which which match is going to be on which show and whatever and just do it that way. But okay. all, the, all the matches are actually edited ready. It's just literally putting it together. Oh, that, that sounds great. That's, that sounds brilliant. So again, you, the the incredible acceleration of of what you're doing, again, in in less than a year, you've gone oh, yeah. from not a fan to then promoter to now potentially having a, a weekly YouTube show. All in the all, all in the process of the, the country or well, the world facing a massive pandemic. I, I think this is an incredible story. It's the the, the challenges you faced in that time period. It, it amazes me how much progress you've made in that time. That I think that's incredible. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, I thought that I thought talking to you today would make a great discussion because of the things that I was already aware of. You've told me plenty that I didn't know happened just in the last sort of half hour or so we've been chatting, and it. I can't believe the, the sort of 
challenges that kept popping up again and again and again that you just sort of brushed aside and actually got the show on. So, I mean, I think that's a great testament, again, to yourself and what you've done there. That's that's fantastic. Um, you mentioned the YouTube show, the weekly show you want to promote and so on. Um, is that the main hopes for the future for EVM wrestling, or have you got other plans and ideas as well? That, that is the main hope at the moment. I think for the next couple of years, that's probably to try and get that as a consistent thing. So, you know, get enough material to do a whole weekly show on YouTube for the next couple of years. Uh, it'd be great to take it further, but you never know, do you? You never know what's going to happen. If you can get it any further than that, then even better. But that's the plan for now. Establishing that, maybe do more events. Mm-hmm. It all depends on this virus stuff as well, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of people, a lot of venues might not even want you to hold a show in there, even when the yeah. restrictions are eased. So it's all just a bit of a trial and error type of deal, I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, you, you never, you never know what's round the corner with this, with, with the the whole Corona issues. Do you? No one really knows what's going on and where we're heading. So, but at the same time. You saying um, you don't know what what's going to get thrown in front of you or what's going to pop up as a challenge? I can't see there being many more that you haven't already faced. Surely, you know? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I busted the gut really to, to get that show on the first place. I'm, mm. I'm actually quite proud of myself, which I'm not often proud of myself for anything. To be honest, I'm not one to blow his own trumpet. Nothing like that. I never will do it. Never do that. But I thought I thought I achieved something. I thought me and the lads we all achieved something that day. So, you know, I'm quite proud. No, I think you should be as well. I mean, just the little things I didn't realise. Losing your main event the night before the show. That was crazy. I I wasn't aware. I knew you were co-promoting with uh, Slamdine Wrestling, but I wasn't aware that they'd actually had to drop their end of the bargain, so to speak. Uh, and it you does. have to then fill the card yourself. I mean, I, I think this, it, it's, an, it's a crazy, crazy tale. But the fact that you put this show on for 30 people, which was your capacity because of the whole restrictions, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I saw it as well, which is great. Uh, it was heading for more, obviously, before the restrictions mm. came in. Well, that's still great. I mean, that's 30 people who got to see a wrestling show who who probably haven't in a long time. So you put smiles on, hopefully, 30 people's faces. So I think that's... That's a wonderful thing in there, considering all the challenges you faced in that process. You should be very proud of what you've done. I am, thank you. I mean, it was the hard thing about the crowd as well was that the rules were you weren't allowed to cheer or shout. Another part of wrestling, a big part of it, is the crowd interaction. I'm oh, sorry, you're going to have to explain that. I don't quite, I don't quite understand. Why was that? Why weren't you allowed to scream and shout? I don't quite get it. Uh, that was part of the coronavirus rules of it could spread droplets and all that sort of nonsense oh of course right no, that does they, make they weren't allowed to shout you know a few times they, <laughs> they weren't supposed to why they weren't so, supposed to so, so I had the idea of clapping if they like them or stamping your feet if you don't like them so that was the plan I came across and said do that but then you know there's a few little kids in there you know it's, it's difficult to tell them to not shout yeah of course, and when these little kids have been, I mean, I've got young children myself, and they they they're sort of shut away from their friends, and you know, they're not out and about playing where they want to be going, and and out with their mates and so on, and then they get an event like this. It's going to be very difficult to explain to them. Yeah, okay, well you've got to sit down and be quiet whilst you're at a wrestling show, you know. So, oh yeah, it's all about crowd interaction. That's what it's about. Yes. 
Yes, it's not to do it in the way you're used to doing is was really hard. Mm. <laughs> well, again, another challenge for you. So that <laughs> another one. It was it was lots of challenges. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, I mean, as we're sort of drawing to a close here, um, one thing I did want to ask you about was obviously I was following EVM Wrestling on Facebook, the the, the official page on Facebook there. And I was looking at the roster reveals and the guys that you have um, effectively agreeing and signed up to work for your company uh, with hopefully upcoming shows, you know, COVID allowing. Um, The first sort of roster reveal, I guess, was uh, David Eaton, who I know... I know is quite well from his days at Evolution Wrestling. I'm a big fan of of his work. I always enjoy his matches. Um, he's also been a guest on this show, which is you know you go back and listen to that episode um, somewhere on Spotify in the archives. I think it's episode two potentially. Um, a fantastic chat. I, I've got a lot of time for David. I think he's great. Um, he's a lovely man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Who did you want? Who did you look at and think I must have? that person on my show was there anyone was in particular one, or was there anyone out uh, was there a few or he was definitely one of them um Potsha adams and chris bronson were two of us as well which obviously you lost those yep yep <laughs> which is a shame but two guys i still speak to on a regular basis and I'm, i'll have them have their match at my next show hopefully as long as their everyone's allowed to happen mm-hmm. um and a few of the guys I trained with, um, Ruddy, another great lad that I've trained with, and just a real nice guy. He plays a baddie, you know, he plays a heel, like, but he's a lovely lad to speak to, and he was grateful for the opportunity, so I had to have him on there as well, because he helped me a lot in my first few training sessions. And there's a few of us that I want in future shows, like um, Colt Miles, I don't know if you know much about him. The name doesn't ring a bell right away, no. Please explain more. Um, he's... Um, Another real nice lad that I only met through Facebook talking about these shows. Okay. And he seems like a real sound lad, and everyone say lots of good things about him. All the guys I've had booked knew him and wanted, wanted him on the shows. So he's one for the next couple of shows, hopefully. He said he wants to do the December one, so hopefully that'll be able to go ahead and he'd be on there. But, um, yeah, the, the main three at the time were uh, David Eaton, Bronson, Hotshot Adams. I mean, three three guys I speak to on a regular basis, and was really happy to have them on there. And it's nice to, to agree to come on the show on the uh, shows because it's not start company. So I wasn't expecting these guys to say, "Yeah, ah, I'll do it." Yeah, no problem. You know, being an upstart, you know, it's it's hard to already attract the talent. And then I was so lucky with the people who agreed to do it with me. So can't really thank him enough to be honest well i i hope that um when people hear the story and the challenges you had to put the show on and actually get the matches in the ring as the phrase goes i suppose um i hope that fans and wrestlers um whoever may be looking at evm wrestling shows in the future appreciate the 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 commitment you have to, to that show um and the fact that you jumped through all these hoops and hurdles put in front of you and still got the the event on um that should show some form of reliability for fans and wrestlers themselves going forward i believe yeah well, that's what i hope now that was you know, obviously that's just one show and i'm hoping the rest will be even better there's obviously a few teaming problems when you do your first show 
I've had my fair share of teaming problems in that show. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Especially because of restrictions, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, well, um, what what I normally do with uh, first-time guests on the show is we have a little segment we finish up with called Bin It, Book It Best. Um, I'll, go, I'll run through it very quickly in case we have any people listening who, who are unaware of how it works. We haven't done one for a few weeks. Um, Bin It is the guest giving uh, giving us something in professional wrestling that they absolutely despise or find embarrassing or they just want to wipe it from wrestling history altogether, whether it's a cringe-worthy angle or, or, or a terrible show or something along those lines. Book It is a little bit of fun, a little bit of fantasy booking, something back in the past that you wish ended differently or maybe you think you had a better or alternative way of finishing a storyline or a show or a program of some description. And best is where we finish the show on something very positive, very happy. Your absolute favourite of something, whether it's your favourite wrestler of all time, a pay-per-view you go back to time and time again because you enjoy watching it. Something that just makes you smile about professional wrestling in general. Um, So, uh, Kurt, if you are ready, I'll take your bin it, please, sir. Uh, David Arquette is WCW champion. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, at the time it's ridiculous. I mean, now he's actually trying to make up for it by actually wrestling, isn't he? He's actually doing shows. We have mm. been. So at least he's trying to make up for it in some way by actually wrestling. But back then, that was just ridiculous, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It, it was. I mean, uh, for a movie that was rubbish anyway. <laughs> oh, that was that Ready to Rumble, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, terrible, wasn't it? And they actually <laughs> used that cage from Ready to Rumble a couple of times on Nitro, and it, I think it was on a pay-per-view as well. Yeah, it was. It, oh, I mean, what I read or maybe heard Mr. Arquette say himself or somebody else anyway. I think it might have been Eric Bischoff actually on on his podcast said that David Arquette himself didn't want to win the world title. He was very much kind of pushed into it by, I believe it was uh, Vince Russo booking at the time, wasn't it? Um, no surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> He was very much sort of pushed into it by Russo and whoever else was involved, maybe it was Nash or Jarrett or whoever was around. Um, and the money he earned from WCW during this time, he donated to um, the families of, I think it was Owen Hart, potentially, or I'm, I'm probably getting that wrong. And people, please let me know on Twitter or Facebook um, what I'm thinking of. But he donated it to, to wrestlers' families who had recently passed away. Um, so I think that is a positive that came out of that Scenario. but David, Ar- David Arquette as WCW world champion it just oh my goodness even just saying the words David Arquette world champion it just it, even now all these years later it just sounds ridiculous doesn't it especially when you had guys like Ronnie Piper who's never been the world champion I was like <laughs> yeah exactly it's pretty exactly. ridiculous isn't it or Jake Roberts never being world champion it's, it's absolutely crazy that David Arquette was yeah, there you go. And of course, Mr. Russo himself had a little title reign there, didn't he? Did indeed. <laughs> that could be up there in the bin list. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful times in WCW, bro, Great I suppose. Okay, yeah, I can get on board with that bin it, definitely. That needs to get in the bin, that is atrocious. Um, yes. Your book it then, please, sir. I reckon um, not having Brock Lesnar ending Undertaker's streak. Okay, so you changed that. 
I would have changed it. I would have, I would have left it for a while and added, I didn't take his last match as the streak ender. That, that's what it should be, shouldn't it? Really? That's what it all should have been. That makes and a lot of sense. This would be controversial, but I would have said a heel Roman Reigns should have ended the streak. Roman Reigns now, how he is, would have been good to end the streak. This, believe it or not, is not the first time I have heard somebody say this. And it's not been a bucket on the show. This has just been a conversation between my wife and I. And my wife said virtually exactly the same thing as you have just yeah. said there. This, this current Roman Reigns, this heel, is the best, one of the best things on the show at the moment. Oh, he's fantastic. Him, him, book, him beating Take of a Street now would mm. mean something. Yes. And then that being it as well. It, means nothing. it didn't mean anything at the time for me. I was, it shocked you for a few minutes and then you're like, well, that's a bit of a waste. Because Brock didn't need the rub, did he? Well, this is it. He was already a star. He was already a draw. He didn't need the streak. He didn't need that. He had everything else. He didn't need the streak. So why give it to him? And then you could have had that whole um, symbolic, almost emotional moment of leaving the coat and the hat in the ring, walking off, and then that being that, yeah. that's the end of it. Yeah. No, instead of next year, come back to Cena in a squash match with this, ring, this thing peering back in the ring again. Yeah, yeah. no, I <laughs> know where you're strange. coming from. I can get on board with that as well. I mean, I, I, I could make an argument as well for um, CM Punk ending the streak at one stage. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Or even somebody, somebody maybe not in the main event scene and using it to potentially elevate them um, up into that next level. But I can totally see where you're coming from. Reigns, a heel Reigns ending the streak and that being Taker's last match. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I can get on board with that as well. Okay, and then to end the show on something nice, smiley and happy, um, can I have your best, please, sir? It's a tough one. It's between a show and a, my favourite wrestler ever, Kurt Angle. Hence my name is Kurt in my wrestling name. Okay. Uh, Kurt Angle is my favourite wrestler of all time. Best, best professional wrestler I've ever seen. He, he was uh, incredible, yeah. Unbelievable. And I, I'll get to meet him next year at the um, for the wrestling convention if, it, if it's allowed to go ahead. Fantastic. So that's pretty cool. That's be really exciting. And WrestleMania 17, who can't love that? So it's those two, I think, is a joint. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah who can't love it's WrestleMania your segment, 17. you choose what you want. <laughs> so as a joint, I say Kurt Angle and WrestleMania 17. Mm-hmm. And of course, Kurt featured at 17 himself in a great match with with, with Chris Benoit. But I think sometimes, I think sometimes that match gets overlooked a little bit because they had an absolute classic at the Royal Rumble a few years later, didn't they? Yeah, 2003, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the WrestleMania 17 outing I thought was was excellent. But it almost Best gets lost. Sorry. Best match of the night. Yeah, I mean, I think it almost gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because the whole Austin Rock was a huge spectacle. Um, Triple H nope. Undertaker was was again a real hard hitting contest. Um, you got if you got a match like Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, and it's of that quality, and it kind of gets lost in the mid card a little bit. I think it shows how good a pay per view that event was. I mean, that's one of my go tos as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's just amazing show. Every match had something on it, didn't it? Have a meaning to everything. It was fantastic. Exactly. And who can forget Kane driving a golf buggy round the back, back of the arena? That, that... <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Okay. Um, Mr. Healy, I have had a wonderful time this evening having a chat with you about the challenges and uh, just hearing your fantastic story of going from, well, all the stages of fan, wrestler, up to promoter, in a pandemic, all the challenges you faced in this real short period, less than a year of being involved in business. I think it's a fascinating story. Um, before I let you go, 
could you just take a moment to let everyone know out there where they can find you on the social medias, whether that's your Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you may have, and, of course, the EVM Wrestling links too? Okay, yeah. Um, well, my, my Kurt I don't have a um, Facebook page for Kurt Healy at this point, um, but if you want to hook up my normal profile, Steve Andrew Hutvale on Facebook, you can always message me there. Um, EVM Wrestling, uh, we've got a Facebook page. I'm not really an Instagram and Twitter kind of guy. <laughs> no problem. Venture into that to uh, get more people to notice us. So that could be coming soon, to be honest. But it's probably inevitable, really. <laughs> um, yeah, but go to, go to EVM Wrestling Official on Facebook. And anyone wants to message me, just go on there and send me a message. I'm always available. Okay, great stuff. Uh, when this, this show comes out, I'll, I'll tag all the relevant social medias in in the release um itself as well so anyone listening who wishes to get in touch with mr healy they can do the the social media links will be attached to to our profiles when we release the episode um again kurt thank you very much for taking some time out of your evening to discuss this crazy world of pro wrestling with me and the crazy world of pro wrestling you've encountered in the last few months Thank you very much. Before we go, I've got a, um, an announcement. On the 7th of February, I'm planning the, uh, it's for mental health awareness. So we're going to do a wrestling show based on mental health, to help with mental health awareness. And we're going to hopefully have people speaking on the show in between matches or intervals and things like that. That sounds fantastic. I mean, send so, across all the details. More details. Um, I'll be on um, my page as it, as it comes, really. Great stuff. I'll make sure I'm keeping an eye out for it. I'll be I'll, I'll share it on the show's social media accounts as well. Try and get as many people, as many eyes on those posts and that information as we possibly can. Um, hopefully on this occasion, um, lockdown is slightly more relaxed. It, things. I was going to say hopefully this the, the build up to this show will be easier, but I'm, I'm sure there's no way it can be harder. So it's <laughs> never know. <laughs> so no, that's that's a great thing you're doing. That's a great thing you're doing with your, with the potential of your second show being a uh, a charity show for for mental health awareness. That's something very close to my own heart. Um, hopefully, providing lockdown, I was relaxed a little bit. I, I'll make the journey myself and uh, maybe share a beer and watch the show. Michelle, watch the show myself. Brilliant, that'd be brilliant if you could. As long as you're allowed to go ahead, I'm, I'm doing it, so... Excellent, <laughs> excellent stuff. Okay, um, again, Kurt, thank you very much for your time. Um, thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll speak soon. Brilliant, thank you very much. Take thank care of yourself. Cheers.